The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Hello and welcome to Squawk Box. Here are your headlines today. U.S. regulators promised to protect Silicon Valley bank deposits in full in a coordinated move to shore up the banking system and stem contagion fears as another lender's signature bank is shut down. The U.S. futures spike on the news while Goldman Sachs predicts the fallout means the Fed no longer lifts rates next week as the central bank contends with widespread stress in the banking sector. And potential bidders mull offers for SVB's UK arm as the government downplays contagion fears and the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Jeremy Hunt, promises to do everything he can to minimize damage. We will bring forward very soon plans to make sure people are able to meet their cash flow requirements, pay their staff. But obviously what we want to do is to find a longer term solution that minimizes or even avoids completely losses to some of our most promising companies. Saudi Aramco posts record profits, raking in over $160 billion last year and raising its dividend. But CEO Amin Nasser warns against celebrating too soon. We are cautiously optimistic in the short to mid-term uh, and the markets will remain tightly balanced. The White House, the U.S. Treasury and the Federal Reserve have imposed a series of emergency measures to shore up confidence in the banking system following Friday's collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, the largest bank failure since 2008. All SVB depositors will have access to their money from today. It comes on the back of concerns that only deposits up to $250,000 would have been protected, throwing the future of most of SVB's corporate clients into doubt. However, SVB equity and bondholders will not be protected. Officials also closed down Signature Bank, another lender with significant exposure to the tech and cryptocurrency space that has seen its balance sheet hit by rising interest rates. And the Federal Reserve says it is opening up additional lending facilities to banks to ensure they meet their commitments to depositors. In a statement, President Biden said the measures would give the U.S. financial sector the oversight rules it needs, adding that, quote, those responsible for this mess will be held fully to account. Now, the fallout at Silicon Valley Bank uh, has, however, exposed just how vulnerable smaller lenders as well as their bond portfolios have been. Uh, to the Fed's rate hikes. Goldman Sachs is now expecting that the Fed will keep rates on hold at its next, me- next meeting, that is next week. Uh, it comes as regulators seek to ensure banks maintain sufficient liquidity in the face of any future outflows. Goldman Sachs says it, will, it still expects the Fed to hike by 25 basis points in the month of May, June and July, putting the terminal rate at in the 525 to 5.5% range. Let's take in then on how the market is set to uh, kind of look then as well. We have seen a sense of positivity come through uh, today then, and this does follow on from those decisions then made by the FDIC as well as the Fed, even though that uptick did kind of uh, fall off ever so slightly. But more than 400 points is possibly gained then uh, from the Dow Jones is what we're looking at at the open.
Arabile, let's just rewind and take a look at the market action Friday session as this was all playing out. You could see it was a downbeat session across the Dow, the S&P and the Nasdaq. The extent of the losses are tallying up to much more than this for the trading week. If it looks somewhat tame uh, given the extent of the crisis unfolding, we were still down more than 4.5% on many of these boards, in particular on the Nasdaq. It was US banks, though, where you saw the concentration of the pain, in particular during that trading session. Now the 4% stripped off the major banks. Again, the darling trade of the year for many watching those net interest margins now suddenly taking stock of the risk to the financial system and to these banks in terms of their earnings over the course of the trading week we saw about 14.6 percent stripped off the kbe a look at some of the other major banks in the space from morgan uh, jp morgan to morgan stanley to citigroup uh, the extent of the losses really ratcheting up on morgan stanley 8.4 percent you could see in that uh, trading window let me show you what took place on the treasury market because we we're just talking there about goldman sachs changing its expectation now around whether we're going to see a 50 basis point rate hike from the fed don't forget as we wrapped up uh, the week we had a very strong non-farm uh, payrolls number that crossed way hotter than the market has been looking for on the fed the cooling back to uh, 150,000 it was basically effectively double so the market getting another hot figure looking forward to the cpi this week the inflation numbers we were meant to be focusing on just what the pathway would be for monetary policy but fears around the banking system now too great for some banks. Uh, Goldman Sachs saying now that uh, we won't get that move. And if you look at uh, how Treasuries have repriced around some of this action, you've now got uh, 70, you had 70% chance that we would see uh, a half a point hike priced into the market before the SVB news broke. Now a 14% chance that the Fed will stand pat. So quite a significant repricing on the market. And you can see on some of these trades as well how we have moved. Don't forget uh, the two-year, the short end. We were travelling effectively much higher than this 4.86 where we were on the, the Friday prior to all of this news flow 4.42 is where we're sitting so we've very much pulled back at the short end the inversion also it has seen implications we were minus uh, 100 odd uh, or minus 1.08 at one point that has also changed the 10-year 3.68 now we've seen a, a fairly rapid decline at that 10-year level as well so uh, the moves have very much been felt across on bond markets let me take you to the dollar trade uh, as a result uh, as of those yields pulling back sterling euro this supported a fairly significant step up seven tenths of a percent on sterling and euro trade dollar dropping versus the safe haven japanese yen and also versus the swiss franc so a casualty very much the greenback in morning trade European banks. Now, the fears of what could transpire across the rest of the banks has been very clear. And we saw that in the Friday trade, uh, that earnings, that uh, whole assessment of net interest margins might have to be reassessed at this point. And if you take a look at how the banks here performed over the last seven days, UBS down seven and a quarter percent, 2.3 stripped off Commerce Bank, BNP Paribas down 6.2 percent. So we did very much see a reaction across these banks. The question is whether that selling stops at some point today, uh, whether it's been enough over the weekend from what US uh, regulators, authorities have announced, or whether we still get a repricing run concerns with the earnings. And one of the points made over the weekend was that uh, you've still got this concern that maybe you need to price up to attract more depositors, uh, particularly if we're not going to get the same level of guarantees across here in Europe. What does that repricing on the deposit side mean for some of the earnings for the banks? Arabile. 
Karen, now over here in the UK, the government is reportedly trying to push through a takeover of SVB's British arm. That's before a potential collapse into insolvency in the next few hours. Now, HSBC has emerged as a late contender, according to our sister channel Sky News, which also says that JP Morgan, Barclays, as well as Lloyd's have all been asked to consider making a bid. Further afield, Emirati Royal Group is mulling a bid, according to Bloomberg, as well as British lenders Oak North and Bank of London. UK Chancellor of the Exchequer Jeremy Hunt is working with the Prime Minister as well as the Bank of England to minimise damage from the fallout. Treasury officials say they, they are confident they will be able to agree a bailout package in time, according to the Times of London reports, which says options include taxpayer-backed credit for firms who cannot get their money out of the failed lender until a longer-term solution is found. Now, Sylvia Morrow is standing by uh, to give us a little bit more on this one as well. Out of the UK authorities, Sylvia, we're hoping to get some sort of announcement certainly before the market open, uh, which would seem to be a, a more prudent move. But so far, not really too much to, to kind of point towards other than uh, that they're working towards something. That's right. And indeed, we are outside the UK's Treasury this morning, Arabelle, exactly because we're waiting to hear from the Treasury in terms of how they intend to support depositors of SVB's UK's army division. But before we get there, I just want to step back for a moment and really look at the sequencing of events over the weekend, just so we have a better understanding of where we are this morning. Because last Friday, the Bank of England did say that it was putting the subsidiary, the UK's subsidiary of Silicon Valley Bank into insolvency. Then on Saturday, more than 200 companies wrote to the Chancellor, to Jeremy Hunt, asking for help. And off the back of that, we heard from Jeremy Hunt on Sunday saying that indeed he's working on a plan to support depositors, that the tech sector, the startups and healthcare startups do, are, do represent a huge part of the UK economy. And it's therefore important for the government to support what he called the promising businesses of this country. However, it's important to keep in mind as well that Jeremy Hunt was very clear. He wanted to stress the fact that the government does not see a systemic risk to the wider financial sector here in the UK. Let's take a look. The governor of the Bank of England has made it very clear there is no systemic risk to our financial system. Um, so people should be reassured on that basis. But there is a serious risk to our technology and life sciences sectors, many of whom bank with this bank that most people won't have heard of, uh, the Silicon Valley Bank, but it happens to look after the money of some of our most promising and exciting uh, businesses. And so uh, I want to reassure people, <coughs> I've been in discussions over the weekend until late last night with the Chancellor, with, with the Prime Minister, mm -hmm. the Governor of the Bank of England, many other people, and uh, we are working at pace on a solution. Uh, we will bring forward very soon plans to make sure people are able to meet their cash flow requirements, pay their staff. But obviously what we want to do is to find a longer term solution that minimizes or even avoids completely losses to some of our most promising companies.
So Jeremy Hunt there stressing that at the moment the government does not see a systemic risk from this case. But having said that, this story does highlight one thing very clearly, and that is, of course, putting the spotlight on central banks and posing the question as to whether they are hiking at a very aggressive pace. We heard from Goldman Sachs, they are already cutting their rate expectations for the Fed for next week from 50 to 25 basis points. We also have a meeting of the Bank of England here next week. So let's see what sort of message the Bank of England will have in this context as well. And all in all, it's just clear, Adabili and Karen, that really we are in a new economic environment. The economy needs to deal with higher interest rates. And of course, this is posing pressure not just on the business community, but also on the central banks. And indeed, it's yet too early to understand what this will mean for this new economic environment that we are facing. Sylvia, thank you very much for that. Let's get to Russ Mould, who is Investment Director at AJ Bell. Russ, thank you very much for joining us. Let's just pick through the series of events. We saw the FDIC moving very, very quickly to create a new entity, effectively shoring up the guaranteed insured deposits over at SVB. But that left a, a big question mark over the uninsured deposits. And we saw the news flow moving very quickly on Sunday night. The Treasury, the Fed, the FDIC had stepped in to guarantee all deposits. So the money over $250,000, which was effectively most of the deposit holders at SVB. So what happens now Monday morning? Do you think it's crisis averted? Uh, perhaps certainly financial markets seem a little bit happier than they did on, on, on Thursday and Friday. I mean, the one lesson, of course, is that shareholders and bondholders in SVB have been bailed in. They have been wiped out. So that is one lesson that they will all have to take on board. Uh, and as we've been hearing, we probably are now in an era of a higher cost of capital for corporations. Therefore, that probably does raise some questions over private equity and venture cap valuations that may be struck at you know, zero interest rates and therefore much more generous uh, d- discount rates. And therefore, you know, the, the one question we might get is um, to what degree will people be looking to buy on the rally or will they now look to start to sell on the dips? But in terms of the shells and bondholders, that's for the financial markets. The best news for the depositors, in some ways, we have a bit of a replay of 2008 in Washington Mutual, the previous, you know, the, the, the biggest failure in US bank history. Again, shareholders lost out, depositors were made whole and kept whole, and that did help to restore some faith in the banking system. Ross, I remember some of the conversations we're having here in Europe, though, and that did involve deposit holders, that effectively you needed to do your due diligence when you put money into a bank. I mean, that conversation was very much had in Europe, and here we are more than a decade on talking about moral hazard again. Uh, Clearly, there were concerns about other bank runs and concerns about uh, money stampeding into the major lenders away from some of the regional lenders as a result of this crisis that was unfolding. Do you think now we have, uh, I I guess, a new financial system that we're dealing with, new regulation? Because effectively, we've had a bank here that was a big fish in a small pond and it was too important to fail. I think the Bank Term Funding Programme, or BTFP, the new acronym, the latest you know, part of the alphabet soup that we've become used to over the last 15 years, is designed to try and avoid that sort of concern and provide comfort to, to depositors, again, by, by, by making them whole. At the same time, I think there will clearly be concerns about banks' net interest margins investors have been very excited about rising rates translating into high profits. Whether they now have to offer better depositor rates is one question. And the other thing that a lot of investors may have forgotten is that rising interest rates in a slower economy can mean higher sour loans and higher impairment charges. So a rising interest rate environment is not an entirely straightforward one for banks, not as straightforward as perhaps some of their recent share price performance has been suggesting. In the US, a lot of banks were trading at premium to book value, for example, whereas at least if you look at the big five in the UK, that isn't the case.
Uh, Russ, it's a good morning to you. Arabile here as well. Just, uh, you know, you spoke about how it may be a keen look to strengthen the uh, public confidence, of course, which is exactly what the Fed as well as the FDIC uh, was really speaking about as well in the announcement just last night. Uh, the key elements then uh, would be whether this was enough to then ring fence uh, the entire situation. I mean, you know, does this kind of say that this situation is indeed uh, uh, you know, sort of ring fest and, and done with. And now we just have to wait for the contagion effect for the rest of the world and see how the rest of their branches sort of fare. Or is there a little bit more to come here, do you think? Well, I think that, that once once the signature bank was closed over the weekend, I think, you know, if, if you look at what, say, Bill Ackman was, was saying on Twitter over the weekend, he was raising the specter of a run on American local banks. I think of $17 trillion of US, uh, de you know, cash deposits in banks, only around $9 trillion was actually insured. And then you have that $250,000 limit, which may also now be revisited. I remember that was raised from 100 to 250. Maybe that's one of the, the, the other uh, issues which the, the federal authorities may look at. So there were concerns that if depositors were not kept whole in SVB, or indeed, and perhaps potentially signature, then would money be withdrawn from the smaller banks and put into the bigger ones? And I think that was a legitimate risk and is probably what forced the hand of the, of the regulators and the FDIC to come up with this new funding facility. And we'll now see what the British get up to today. They seem to be, you know, you would have assumed that perhaps they would just simply look to copy what the Americans have done. And maybe that's what they'll get round to very quickly. You think that announcement to be made before market open? I think that would be helpful, but equally it's clearly a complex situation. And I think SVB is nowhere near as big in the UK as it is in the USA. So in that respect, they may have a little bit more time. And it, I think the reason that the BTFP was introduced in the US was they weren't able to sell SVB whole as perhaps they would have liked for the simplest of solutions. It seems like in the UK, A, you're dealing with a smaller entity, so that may be easier to achieve. Ross, can I just get into what we're seeing on the banks now? Because if we just pick through what happened again with SVB, effectively deposits poured into the bank over the last number of years, they channeled that money into uh, high-yielding uh, bonds to try and eke out a, a better profit uh, margin here. But uh, as we saw the uh, rapid increase in interest rates, effectively that saw a loss on some of those bond holdings. It's not the only bank to do that. It's not the only exposure out there, which begs the question, what does the maturity profile look like at other major lenders and even at central banks from here? How do we think about uh, digesting this news flow, given we've had a new scheme that's been announced by regulators to give a window for banks to try and uh, channel some of their, their funds through uh, this emergency rescue for, for, for one year? It doesn't really help those banks hoping to hold on to some of their bonds to maturity. If we look at the SVB story, maturity meant on average roughly about six and a half years. So how do we think about the exposure still in the banking system? I guess the US mechanism is designed to give some comfort there in that it, it's a one-year loan, as you said, based on collateral that is valued at par. So that it's designed to get around this need to sell assets below book value to, to, to provide liquidity. If you look at SVB's balance sheet, optically at $120 billion worth of available liquid assets against a loan book of $73 billion, no problem, move along, nothing to see here, except that the book value of the US Treasury holdings was way lower than that. So the loan to deposit ratio was in fact well above one, which obviously once depositors began to smell that and saw that with money was going out, there was a bit of a bit of a you know a, a scramble to get your money out. So the, the, this new US mechanism is clearly designed to get around that, uh, and I would I would think that they would be hoping that that would provide some degree of calm.
And Ross, just quickly, how are you thinking about Silicon Valley and tech world at this point? Because many of the businesses were clearly concerned over the weekend about having working capital come Monday morning. That uh, problem has now been avoided. But still, as we talk about new loans and lending to Silicon Valley from here, there are question marks until there is a buyer for SVB. Yeah, it's a really good question. I think what, what you won't see is, is companies having to lay off staff or fold up incredibly quickly because there is no liquidity being provided through, through, through the bank backstop to a degree by the US Treasury and the FDIC. What you still clearly have, I think at the moment at least, is an, an area whereby cheap money, free money is effectively gone and that we are now going to see higher costs, of, you know, higher weight adjusted costs of capital for startup firms. Perhaps harder liquidity will be harder to get hold of. Equity markets probably more nervous as they become of for, for some time anyway, but young startup companies. So some of these firms will struggle. Some probably will fail, perhaps slowly rather than quickly. And valuations to those looking to raise future capital or indeed come public will be lower, which again, knock on effect. What does that do perhaps the valuation of some PE and VC funds? We'll find out. Ross, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, such a big story still unfolding. Ross Mould with us, Investment Director, AJ Bell. Coming up on the show, we'll have more on the fallout from SVB's collapse. We'll be hearing from Benedict von Thunberg, uh, Thungen, rather, that is uh, the founder and CEO of Sonome, who is calling on the UK government to intervene to protect tech businesses like his. And a quick look at how US futures are shaping up this morning. We've had a reassessment around uh, what may happen with the next uh, central bank meeting from the Fed, given the events over the weekend in the banking system. You can see futures are rallying as a result. Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear it from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on CNBC.com. A quick look at the green bouncing on to the European boards early on before the market opened. Authorities announcing plans to try and limit the fallout from the collapse of SVB over the weekend. Those measures creating positivity across on global markets, but also reassessment too on the path of monetary policy from here, given the concerns around the banking sector. So you are seeing US futures and indeed now European futures bounce early on. Over 200 tech CEOs in the UK have signed an open letter calling on the Chancellor of the Exchequer, Jeremy Hunt, to provide more guarantees of support in the wake of the collapse of SVB UK. One of those signatories is Benedict von Tungen, who is founder and CEO of Sonome, that is an AI company focused on healthcare. Benedict, thank you very much for joining us today. Just getting into that letter that we saw signed from 200 founders and leaders effectively saying to the Chancellor, that they were, they were trying to ascertain if they were still technically solvent. You were one that put pen to paper. So can you just explain the position you're in now on Monday morning? Yeah, good morning, everyone. Um, I think the last 48 hours have been extremely difficult, but we're now quietly optimistic, both of the company and what's going to happen in the wider markets. Um, on Friday evening or Friday during the day when the, the news broke that we were not, not able to access the funds, um, we had to almost go back to the drawing board to see that 
if we were technically still solvent. Uh, and we managed to pull that off over the weekend. And now I think it's about being quietly optimistic to see what the news brings this morning. We are still waiting for news flow when it comes to the UK, uh, whether a last minute buyer uh, has been found, there's been work behind the scenes to try and shore up a sale process. And this is key for the uninsured deposits. Again, those above £885,000 here in the UK do not have their, their money insured now. Where does it leave you in terms of the amount of money that you have? Are you an uninsured depositor at this stage? Uh, yes, unfortunately we are. Um, we were lucky that we managed to pull out some funds um, on Thursday evening and early on Friday morning. Um, so we we went from a <laughs> super excited week um, winning our next hospital partner to, wow, <laughs> where are we going to be in the next few days? Um, but we're lucky enough that we've got a lo- the next few months of payroll we can definitely make. Um, but the question is, hey, where are we going to be in three months' time? So this is a big shout out to the, the government to say, hey, if you're really serious about the tech and particularly the life sciences community, you've got to step in and do something. And what I've kind of been saying a lot over the weekend is not about, um, or not only about the here and now, it's about where do we want to be in five or 10 years time? And particularly from a healthcare and a life science perspective, we need, we need time to deliver the evidence before we can sell into the healthcare system. So if, if we're not allowed to operate um, or if the markets collapse now, we're going to lose five to 10 years of momentum at a really critical time in healthcare when healthcare is already reeling. Um, Benedict, good morning. Uh, do you think then regu- more regulation here should be the case uh, in point that you're perhaps suggesting as one of the tech firms, of course, heavily affected by this? Um, that's a difficult question. I think it's less about regulation. I think it's more about stability. And I mean, having having built a number of businesses over the last 10 years here in the UK, the one thing we absolutely 100% need is political and market stability, because that allows us to do these long timelines in healthcare to generate the evidence, to run clinical trials, to get into the healthcare partnerships. So I think more than regulation, what we need is stability. Yeah, and and you spoke about how at least you, you, you do have uh, sort of the funding for, for the next few months or so, but what is the plan perhaps, or are you looking at a plan uh, longer term as well as to what, what happens from here for your business and, and how exactly you, you kind of move forward, if you don't mind putting us perhaps in, in your confidence in, in a sense of what could be next for you? Yeah, absolutely. So we were planning to go out and do a fundraise uh, towards the end of the year, um, but we're going to have to bring that forward. And yeah, having built my first business during, during the financial crisis in 2008, where literally one moment we were, everything was flying and everything was great, and then Lehman Brothers collapsed, I feel that we could see something very similar here and that the funding markets could withdraw even further, making it a lot harder for, for businesses such as ours to go out and raise capital. Uh, and yet keep coming back to the healthcare side of things, it is not... We, we can't rely on customers this early on. We have we rely on the VC community to give us the capital to generate evidence in clinical trials. Benedict, when we've been following this crisis, uh, very fast-moving pieces, what has been exposed is just how significant a lender SVB has been to the technology community, not just in Silicon Valley, far beyond uh, right even to, to London. Now, as we talk about rescue measures and whether a sale process would happen, just give us a sense of what it means for the industry, given the, the uh, strength and the dominance of SVB as a lender. Yeah, I think... I mean, SVB have managed to do two things. I think the first 
first and foremost, they've managed to create a community that connected everyone. And they were like almost the glue that brought so many different stakeholders together. So I really hope that certainly the team at SVP stay together because we need that as a community. I think we have to see where it goes, um, what happens with SVB and the wider market. Um, I, I, I think it could, it could, actually, I, I, I was pretty nervous last night about, wow, what could happen here? Are we going to have a major fallout? But I think over, events over, over, over the night has really shown that I'm, I'm quietly optimistic that someone's going to step in and kind of shore up what, what that next is what we need. And I think, I think it's going to continue. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.